Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. I want to talk about evil and unfairness that is in your world. By the way, that's the same world that I live in, too. Because of the problems of evil, unfairness, and injustice in our world, a right view of the gospel is essential to understand these problems with our fallenness correctly. If we don't understand the gospel correctly, we will have no way of being able to interact with all the evil, unfairness, and injustice in our lives. And I'm not talking about just understanding it. Having intellectual understanding is, well, that is fantastic. But there also must be functional, practical application of the gospel in your life as well, or you'll be overrun with evil, unfairness, and injustice. And so I titled the podcast, Connecting the Gospel to Evil and Unfairness. As always, if you have a question for us about this podcast or anything else, all you have to do is write to us. You can get on our forums and you can ask us your question, and it would be a joy to serve you. I'm going to jump right into this article, but first I want to say thank you to four people. Dave, thank you for supporting our ministry at $5 a month. Bill, thank you also for a $100 recurring annual membership. And then Sheila, thank you for your $10 recurring membership. And then Kimberly, thank you for your $5 recurring membership. I also want to say thank you to Kelsey, who just became a Mastermind student in the last few days. And I didn't say thank you to Shannon and Jen, who just came on board in the last couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks now. Shannon was last week, I believe. And then there was Jen and Stephanie, who maybe they were a few weeks ago. So Stephanie, Jen, Shannon and Kelsey, thank you for joining our Mastermind program. We do have questions. We do receive questions about that on a regular basis. There are two other folks that I've talked with in the last couple of days who are interested in our program. We do have a page on our website about Mastermind training. There's a drop down there that you can click on and it has a lot of information there, but if there are other things more than what is there that you need to talk about, please let us know. Kelsey said, I appreciate the carefulness in which you put out there to cause us to, well, she didn't put it in these words, but what she was saying was to slow down and not make an impulsive decision. I do create hurdles because I don't want people just to... they. I don't want them to walk up to the buffet and get more food than they can possibly eat. And so I want them to be in faith for the decision. And so we have a lot of information that I require them to read, and then I want them to pray, and then I want them to talk to somebody about it so that they can make a good, sound decision to come into the program. This is Stephanie and Jen and Shannon and Kelsey. Thank you, recent students in our program. If you have any questions, please ask me about that. We do have this live chat feature on our website in the bottom right-hand corner. The live chat feature is not for counseling questions. Uh, the live chat feature is a quick response to, uh, let's say, that you don't know how to log in or get your password and username. Perhaps you're looking for an article it's something like that. We do have people that come to our live chat and they ask counseling questions and I would ask that you refrain from doing that because we just don't have the people power to be able to uh, answer 
those type questions because they're such long-form questions. But we're not going to turn you away. Uh, you come to live chat and ask how to get on the forum, and we'll get you on the forum, and that is the place to ask your long-form questions. But I do want you to know about the live chat feature. Uh, because it's handy and it puts us right there. You can get a quick response, and we're we're typically on it most of the time. And so, if you have something, please just click on that. There's a little bubble or a person, a little bubble head there in the bottom right of your screen. And if you click on it, uh, you can ask your question. And it's just another way that we want to uh, serve you. And I do thank you also, as I, I said earlier, for these uh, four people who have started supporting us, Kimberly and Sheila and Bill and Dave. The reason that is important is because I have a long-term goal of making all of our content on this website free. We have been incrementally doing that over the years. In 2015, I made all the articles free. But each time that we do that, we lose a lot of supporting members. And so when I made the articles free in 2015, we lost over 300 supporters because they wanted the articles. They didn't have to pay for them. And, and so they no longer supported the ministry. Now, I understand that. I don't know if there's anybody on the planet that loves free stuff more than I do. And so it's not a criticism. I love free stuff. And whenever we can find it, we're usually there. That's just how we roll. And so I do understand it. But... Uh, it does take a lot of money to support this ministry. And when we made the articles free, 300 folks stayed with us, but they stopped their support. We have over 100,000 people that come to us every month, well over 100,000 people that come to us. And it's a lot of people, and they are they all... Uh, they're not, let's say that we have a, a hundred thousand people who come who don't support the ministry. And so we have a lot of people that God has privileged us to care for, but we do need your help. And if it is possible for you to support us, just do it. Just do just do it. If you believe in what we're doing, just support us. And as our support grows to where we can cover our expenses, we're going to continue uh, to make more and more of our resources free. Because those of you who do support us, you know that I mean, you, you're reaching hundreds of thousands of people annually uh, with the practical gospel of Christ, and that is a fantastic thing. And so if you can, help. But I do want you to know that my goal has always been, and it will always be, to make everything that we do that we can just put it out there, put it out there for your consumption with with no cost. But some of you, uh, you can support us, and I need for you to do that. Thank you for that, for listening, and I appreciate your patience as I share these things. I want you to know my heart. I want, I want you to know where we are. I want you to know what's going on with this ministry. I want you to be informed. I'm not sure that we can over-communicate, uh, but we want to communicate effectively in all aspects of our ministry because many of you have, you do care, and you do want to know what is going on. And so every now and then, I want to drop in here and let you know what's going on and how you can help. Let's talk about this article, Connecting the Gospel to Evil and Unfairness. If you want to, you can listen to this podcast, and that's all you have to do. You're welcome to share this podcast. We're on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podbean. You can find us most anywhere. 
And so you can listen to the podcast, you can share it. Also, if you want to read this article, you can do that as well. What I'm going to share with you is written out. And so you can read it. You can share that also with a friend, as many disciplers, counselors, coaches, mentors, parents, children, teenage high school students, what they do is they share this with their friends. And I'm so glad that they do because our articles do form a homework assignment. Uh, Virtually all of them become homework assignments that you can use over in a long-term way. In fact, that's what this one is. And my final call to action when I wrap up this podcast I am going to ask you to use this article and the questions that I ask and the the content that's all in here and embedded in here, I'm going to ask you to use that as an assignment because it will help you to be able to connect the gospel to evil and unfairness, and that is a big deal because that is the life that we live, ubiquitous evil. It is everywhere. We interact with it every day, and you can be overrun by it. And if you don't if you don't have if you don't know how to connect the gospel to evil and unfairness well it will overrun you and and it can lead to all sorts of problems and so there's a homework assignment here that you can work through and so let's talk about it how do you connect the gospel to the evil and the unfairness that is in your world well the purpose of the gospel loudly proclaims that these problems do exist I mean, the very fact that we have a gospel, we would not need a gospel if there was no evil, if there was no unfairness, if there was no injustice in the world, there would be no purpose for the gospel. Now, when I use the word gospel, to me, a shorthand definition of the gospel is Jesus Christ. He is the good news. And we would not have needed him to come to this earth, to to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to atone, to die on the cross for our sins, and to come out of the grave and to intercede for us and for us to worship him throughout eternity. There would not be any need for him to come here if there were no evil in our world, but there is. Evil does exist, and because of that, there must be a gospel solution. And that's why it's imperative for every believer to know how to connect the gospel solution to the problem of evil. And so the purpose of the gospel loudly proclaims that these problems do exist. And the gospel-centered person, The gospel-centered person understands that there's evil and unfairness, but it does not defeat that kind of individual. That kind of person is hope-filled, not discouraged. When he or she sees or experiences unfairness in their lives, that that they are not taken down and out uh, because of it because they're gospel-centered, and so they are filled with hope because that is what the gospel gives to us. But, of course, everybody doesn't live that way. Our world became unjust from the very beginning. Since the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden, the verse is Genesis 3-6. That is the the transition verse in, in this story of humanity and injustice and evil and unfairness have reigned since that time. The gospel 
was God's counterintuitive solution for our turned-upside-down world. The purpose of the gospel is to right things, to reverse the curse, to put things back in order. Now, this truth is why it's essential that you think about and that you interpret and that you respond to the problem of evil from a counterintuitive perspective. A counterintuitive perspective is God's gospel perspective. That's the way you think about evil from a gospel perspective. That's how you interpret evil, and that's how you react to it or respond to it. We know that God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. We read that in Isaiah 55, 8. What we see and what we feel in this world is, is very real. But presuppositionally, we must filter what we see, and we must filter what we think through the lens of the gospel. Your presupposition is your starting point. The way I have historically described this idea of presuppositional truth is you standing and looking through a glass window. And that window, whatever color it may be, or however clean or dirty it may be, that gives you your presupposition. That gives you the filter for how you will see life. And it is important that you, it is important that I, that we see life, interpret life presuppositionally, that the filter that we are looking through, the lens that we are looking through, is a gospel lens. If you do not view the problem of evil through the lens of the gospel, there is an excellent chance, it might be better to say there is a perfect chance that the badness that is in your world will overcome you, or minimally, your heart will take on the shape of how you view and how you respond to the evil because you see that evil through a non-gospel lens. All of us came to Christ with a non-gospel lens. All of us started out this journey in life from birth to the point of our second birth. The window that we were looking through was a non-gospel lens. Now, what that means is that when we come to Christ, we have a dirty lens, even though we have been regenerated, adopted, justified, brought into the family of God. We do not have the presuppositional, a gospel-centered presupposition, a gospel-centered way of viewing our problems. And that is why after you become a believer, it is imperative that we are cleaning, that we are cleansing the lens, the window through which we see. That's why it's important that Christians understand this. We have everything that we need for life and godliness, but unfortunately, we have a former manner of life, and sometimes that former manner of life can be so strong that it clouds our judgment. And when evil comes into our lives, we do not know how to bring the gospel to bear on it. God solved the problem of evil. The Lord has judged and the Lord has resolved this problem. But he didn't do it the way you might have expected. He didn't do it the way you might have preferred. This is how God solved. Do you know how God solved the problem of evil? Do you know how he judged 
and resolve this problem. He judged the problem of evil by executing his son on the cross. That's how he did it. The Lord sufficiently and entirely judged wickedness and then instituted the right order of things. He did that through the execution of his son. The beginning of making things completely right began at the cross. Now, while the resurrection proclaims that the execution of Jesus was a success and God will prevail, but ultimately it is in heaven that you will see the complete fruition of the victory that Christ has already secured. And so the beginning of making things right completely was at the cross. The resurrection says that the execution of Jesus, the judging of evil, was a success. But we will not see the complete fruition of that victory at the cross until we are with Christ in heaven. But it is already secured. But now, on planet Earth, specifically in your family and among your friends, you groan in an evil world, while anticipating the future day when complete fruition of his gospel victory will be yours. You have it already, but not yet. And until that time, because we have it already, you should be expressing hope-filled, gospel-motivated worship because of the finished, complete, entire work of the Savior. What he has begun in you and me, he will bring to a satisfying conclusion. He is working his plan in this world, and he is working his plan into all of his children. God has already solved the problem of evil through the execution of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, it is secure. But everyone doesn't have a gospel-shaped heart. Every Christian I'm talking about. Obviously, the non-regenerate people do not have a gospel-shaped heart. Therefore, they have no hope, no help, no ability whatsoever. They are natural people. These things that I am talking about are spiritually discerned. And so there are Christians who have everything that they need for life and godliness, but yet their heart is not shaped by this gospel truth that I have been sharing with you. The judgment of sin the judgment of evil on Christ, on the cross, it has been secured as the resurrection testifies. I want to give you a list of what I call soul indicators, what your soul tells you, things that come out of you that will give you indicators for a person who has an inadequate understanding, an inadequate application, and an inadequate practice of the gospel when it comes to the problem of evil in our world. A person who is not living daily in the good of the gospel may struggle with these things. Now, this is a way that you can test yourself to see if you have a gospel-shaped heart or if you don't. Let me give you some indicators. Number one is worry. Two is fretting. 
Another one is criticism, and then there's doubt, and then there's cynicism. Those are five things right there. Now, one of the things that I want you to discern here is not have you failed in any of these, because I know that you have. You have worried, you have fretted, you have criticized, you have doubted, you have been cynical once or twice in your life. And so as you think about this list that I'm working through, I don't, I don't want you to think about it episodically as you've done it once or twice or three times. Uh, but the way that I want you to, the best way to discern if you have a gospel-shaped heart is that is this a pattern in your life, not an episode I worried yesterday. I probably worried the day before. I don't remember. But I'm not a person who is characterized by worry. And so you want to distinguish between an episode and a pattern. And so as you listen to this list to see if you have a gospel-shaped heart or a non-gospel-shaped heart, think about patterns in your life. Now, if you're not sure, well, maybe you need to give this list to someone and say, hey, do you see any of these things as a pattern in my life? If they do, then what we have here are soul indicators. They indicate what is going on in your soul. So let me go through the list. I've given you five of them. Ep uh, uh, patterns, not episodes. Worry, fretting, criticism, doubt, cynicism. That was the first five. Let's do another five. Accusation, frustration, lack of worship. Impatience, anger. Are these patterns in your life? Accusation, frustration, lack of worship, impatience, and anger. And here are four more. Uncharitable judging, self-righteousness, demand-making, and spiritual distance from God. Now, if you want to see this list in its totality, just go to the article here that's titled, Connecting the Gospel to Evil and Unfairness. Now, we have a search box in the, in the side column of our website, and all you have to do is, is just type in. You don't have to type the entire thing. Just type evil and unfairness, or just type in connecting the gospel. Do some phrase of that, and it will take you to this article, and you can read this list. There are about 14 things here, I believe, that I gave you. And if these are patterns in your life, then you probably have a non-gospel-shaped heart. But let's talk about a gospel-shaped heart. When the gospel is shaping your heart, the counterintuitive nature of God's gospel will give you an otherworldly response to the evil that would find no greater joy than to take over and dominate your life. But it can't because you have a gospel-shaped heart. A gospel-centered and shaped person living in a world of wickedness will be doing these things. Now, do these things characterize you? Are these the patterns in your life? One, worshiping God. Two, content in a world of evil. Three, discerning about what you see. You can discern what you see. Number four, having God's perspective on what you see. Number five, being smart, but not according to the wisdom of the world. Number six, living out a lifestyle of humble repentance. Number seven, finding strength day by day in the ways of God. Number eight, being captured by God rather than being captured by the problems of life. And number nine, you are experiencing a closeness to God. Now, if these things characterize you, represent you, then you have a gospel-shaped heart. If you don't, then there is work to do.
There is noise in your life. The noise of unfairness and evil is in your life, and it controls you more than the gospel does. There are keys that you can work through to drown out the noise of unfairness and evil that is in your life. The key, the number one key, is to worship God. Worshiping God is the solution to drown out the noise of unfairness and evil in your life. But I know that when I say that, worship God, it can sound like a trite response to your struggles with unfairness and evil. And so before you can adequately worship God, before you can truly get there, because some people will say, yeah, I want to worship God, but, but how do I get there? And so I don't want to give you a trite answer, trust God, just trust God and you'll be fine. Well, okay, that's what you need to do. But there are some steps. There, there's some precursory work that needs to be happening in your heart. You have to do things in your heart before you can get to that place of authentically worshiping God, and that is your characterization. And when you are authentically wor- worshiping God in a pattern of life, then the noise of unfairness and evil will go away. And so you will find the the absolute key to this precursory work in your heart. It is, it is in the gospel, but if you have not solved the problems of unfairness and evil through his gospel, there's no way you can have calmness of the soul. So I want to give you six progressive thoughts to help you get there, to this place of worship, how you can come to that place of calmness of soul in an evil-saturated world. Uh, in, in an evil-saturated world. So here are six progressive thoughts that will help you to get to the place of worship. Number one, you resolve or mitigate the problem of evil and fairness through heartfelt worship of God. So you have to understand, before you go anywhere, you got to know where you're going. So point number one is, how do I resolve this problem that I have with unfairness and evil? Well, you got to understand where you're going. So point number one, there's six progressive thoughts to get there. And of course, point number one is, you, you have to have heartfelt worship of God. Number two, to worship God you must have faith in him. You must believe in him. You must trust him. Now, perhaps some of you will have to do some work at this point because you have a hard time trusting God. Think about it. If you're having a hard time trusting God, having faith in him, then you can't worship him. And if you can't worship him, you're not going to be connecting the gospel to the evil and unfairness in your world. And so six progressive thoughts. Number one, you got to resolve or mitigate the problem of evil and unfairness through heartfelt worship of God. Number two, to worship God, you must have faith in Him. You must believe in Him. You must trust Him. Number three, the way you come to an affectionate faith in God is through the right view and understanding and application of the gospel in your life, which is what I've been talking about in this podcast. Number four, the gospel loudly informs your heart that God is in control. God is aware of the problem, and God has an answer to your struggles. He did judge evil and unfairness in this world through his son on the cross. And the resurrection does testify that it was a success, and Jesus is in heaven now. The gospel loudly informs your heart 
that God is in control, aware of the problem, and has an answer for your struggles. That's number four. Number five, based on this understanding and application of the gospel, you can worship him in spirit and in truth. And then number six in our six progressive thoughts, your gospel-informed worship of God drowns out the noise, the noise that unfairness and evil brings to your heart. The title of the podcast is Connecting the Gospel to Evil and Unfairness. Here are some questions for you to think about as I wrap up here. Are you content? Are you living in the daily, practical good of the gospel? The judgment of evil on Christ and the success of Christ, the gospel, are you living in the daily practical good of that? If you're not, you're not able to worship well. Number two, what is one specific area of unfairness or evil that you struggle with, no matter how small or trite it may seem to you? Just what is one specific area of unfairness or evil? Number three, does the gospel quieten the noise of your soul? Does it quieten that area of unfairness or evil? If it doesn't, why does it not? What is the gospel disconnect? And finally, will you work through the list that I have given you in this podcast? I have given you a list for what the non-gospel-shaped heart looks like. I've given you a list of what a gospel-shaped heart looks like. And then I've given you a list of six progressive thoughts to get to the place of worship. If we can help you with any of these things, please let us know. Jump on our website and let's talk. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.